Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Romans chapter 5. We covered the first two verses last time. Therefore, having been justified, declared not guilty, being put in a place of, in God's eyes, being just as if I'd never sinned. By faith, which comes by hearing from the Word of God, we reached out and received the justification. Having done that, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, through Jesus, whom we have also access by faith into this grace. How did we define grace last time? God's favor and God's ability. It's the Greek word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. It is God's favor and God's ability. We have received this grace by faith in which we stand. Here was the question that haunts me today that I continually ask myself and I ask you. Are you standing in grace? God says you are. Do you say you are? Have you allowed your circumstances to so define how God feels about you that you have lost sight of how your Father sees you? Have you allowed the internal lies of your own flesh to deceive you into believing that it really is the way you think or feel or the way it seems rather than what your Father says it is? God says you are blessed and highly favored In fact, God says, as we saw last time, according to Ephesians 1, that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and He has called you holy and righteous and blameless and loved and beloved and forgiven and accepted just the way way Jesus is loved and accepted. God says that you have the favor of God in and on you. Would to God we'd get greater revelation. Are we standing in it? Do you go to work every day knowing that the favor of God is in you and on you and nothing can come up in your work day that hasn't been defeated by the grace of God? God's grace is greater than the American economy. God's grace is greater than political action. God's grace is greater than terrorism. God's grace, you are standing in the favor of God. Do you have revelation of it? Do you know that every single moment of every day there is a God who sees you standing in the same love, standing in the same amount of acceptance as Jesus is? Blessed and highly favored. That word grace also has to do with supernatural ability. The supernatural ability of what? The supernatural ability 
of the resurrection of Jesus. Now you tell me, what brokenness is greater than the resurrection of Jesus? What is any greater than anything that's in the death cycle whose power was broken when God raised Jesus from the dead? In God's eyes, you were there at the cross. In God's eyes, you were there in the tomb. And in God's eyes, you were there when Jesus was raised from the dead. In God's eyes, you were there when he ascended and took his seat at the right hand of the Father. And in God's eyes, you are in Christ Jesus this minute. And as we said last week in closing, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of that we may receive mercy and find to help in our time of need. Whatever circumstance or situation you are in, there is grace working in you. God's favor, God's ability that is connected to the resurrection of Jesus. There is grace working in you and grace is working for you. God has already seen all your tomorrows and there's more than enough grace for any need that you have. We also said in closing that there's a marvelous passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul was going through such, such tremendous turmoil that he cried out to God three times. Do you think a man that wrote 13 books of the New Testament would have the audience of God? And yet for whatever reason, God didn't see fit to, make, uh, to give him an immediate escape from what was going on. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Many scholars, as we said last week, have tried to define it, and many of them think they know what it is. The truth is, you don't know, and neither do I. But you know what the Lord said to his wonderful man? He said, my grace, my favor, and my ability is made perfect in your weakness. When you are weak, that's when I will be made strong in you. And Paul said, most, most, uh, without a doubt, he says, now I will glory in my weakness that his strength may be perfected. So let me ask you something today. Are you struggling? Are you struggling with financial matters, struggling with physical, relational issues? Wherever your struggle is today, do you know that there is more than enough grace to get you through? Some have taught poor Paul he had to stay sick the rest of his life. Do you know that 10, 12 years later he was still ministering and writing scripture? How about that? Sound like a sick guy to you? How many of you know that he didn't even die of sickness? He was beheaded by Nero, the emperor, for his faith. Grace, whatever you're going through, more than enough grace. Notice what he says, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice. How many of you know that rejoicing can give you energy? You know what rejoicing is? It means to rejoice. To rejoice means to reconnect with the joy that's already in you by the gift of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit are love, joy. Right? To rejoice means to reconnect with the joy that's already on the inside of you. 
No wonder the word says, especially when you're troubled and, and downcast, rejoice in the Lord always. Reconnect with your joy in the Lord, not your circumstances, not in other people. Reconnect with your joy in the Lord. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We said this last time, glory is the outward manifestation of the invisible essence. Light is the glory of electricity. It is the manifestation of something that is in and of itself unseen. It is the revelation of that. And we are to rejoice in hope of the full revelation, the full manifestation of the very character of God. Right now we are being transformed from image to image into the likeness of the Lord Jesus. And one day we will lay aside this body and when he comes or we go, we will be wrapped up. This perishable, this mortal will be swallowed up in immortality. This weak, sin-touched temple will put on a glorified body. Why? Because of grace. Because of grace. I talk about grace so much, some of you have stopped listening to me. God, have mercy on you. I'm serious. If you don't get revelation of grace, you will be defeated by this world and your enemy and you will never prevail if you don't get revelation of grace. We rejoice in hope. Do you know what hope is? Everybody says, well, I, I know how it feels, but I don't know how to describe it. Look, this is my definition of hope. If you don't like it, get you a good one. Hope is the God-given spiritual force of life that gives energy to your life. It is always reaching for what is more and better. It is given by God. Everybody who comes into this world has a touch because they are created in the image and likeness of God. They have that capacity and a touch of desiring something better. But when you by faith, through grace, when you receive the gift of eternal life, when Jesus comes to live on the inside of you, you don't just have a touch, you are immersed you are connected to hope. Where does hope come from? Romans 15 verse 13 says that the giver, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the author of hope. There's something on the inside of you that is always that gives you energy to keep on going, that keeps giving you the energy to keep reaching for something higher and better than what you see and have today. There is something on the inside of you that has hope for your marriage, hope for your business, hope for your life with God, hope for everything. It is given to you by God. 
He is the giver of hope. And the kind of hope that God has given you and reconnected you with when you were born again gives you the power of hope that will prevail against this worldly natural hope. Look at chapter 4 of Romans. The discussion here is about how Abraham, our spiritual father, received relationship with God by faith and not by works. But God had given him a promise when he was childless at 75 years old that he would be the father of many nations, that he would be blessed to be a blessing, and that everybody in him, that all his seed would receive that blessing of God. So I want you to see here that God spoke to his hope a word of substance and faith. Look at verse 16. Therefore it is, it is of faith, the promise of God, that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Everybody say, that's me. You're the spiritual seed of Abraham in Christ Jesus. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Jews and Gentiles, both who believe, have as our spiritual father, Abraham. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. Now let me ask you something. When God said, I have made you, Abraham, I have made you, what tense is that? Past tense, right? I have made you. It's something I already did, yes or no. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who made the promise. God speaks. Faith is what God has already decided. Faith is what God has already, in the spirit realm, He has already accomplished. Faith comes to you by hearing a word from God that tells you assurance and affirmation of what He is, is yours. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is evidence of things you don't see yet, but in your spirit realm, it is sure and steadfast because God has already said it, and as far as He's concerned, you have it. God already called Abraham the father of many nations before he was able to, con to conceive a child. Now notice what happened. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Abraham was nobody's daddy at 75 years old. God said, I have made you a father of many nations. Notice what Abraham's response was. Who, verse 18, contrary to natural hope, 
He was already past the age of being able to father a child. In fact, a lot of this happened when he was 87 instead of 75. Contrary to natural hope, in God's spiritual hope, he believed so that he became the father of many nations. Everybody get the progress. He hoped. God said a word. He believed. He became. It was manifested in time and space. He hoped. God spoke. He believed. He became. He hoped. He believed. He became. All of us want to become. We just don't want to have any hope or believe. Hope, belief comes before becoming. He hoped, he believed, he became. Understand this. This is powerful. Contrary to natural hope, that is, what is natural hope? It is circumstantial. I'm an old, 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 old man, he could say. He looked in the mirror and he saw that physically he was not getting any younger. His wife was just a few years behind him. She was, not, she was past the age of childbearing. But he hoped, he hoped in God. He hoped that he who could do all things, he to whom nothing was impossible, would grant him that which he longed for in his inner man. He lo- what are you longing for in your inner man? There's something in there that you are longing for in your inner man. You're hoping to see it come. Don't let any circumstances dash your hopes. Hold on to your hope because it is out of the context of hope that faith comes. God speaks in the context of hope. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What are you hoping for? You hear it said all the time in our culture, well, don't get your hopes up. God says, get your hopes sky high. If you are hoping for that which is in line with the nature and the character and the ability of Almighty God, don't let anybody... Don't let any circumstance destroy your hope. In hope against hope, he believed so that he became. Verse 19 tells us how he did it. Not becoming weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, although dead. He didn't go around thinking, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't have this, I can't do this, I can't have this. And why'd you give me this old woman? He was about a hundred, he was almost a hundred years old, and he was still, he still didn't have the promised child. He had tried something back when he was in his 80s, and boy, did it make a mess. He birthed an Ishmael. He was about a hundred years old, verse 19, and he saw the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. How in the world 
totally physically impossible in the natural. How did he see that his own body, being 99, his wife was 90? How did he not waver at the promise of God through unbelief? He didn't have a copy of the Scriptures. He didn't have the indwelling Holy Spirit like you do. How did he do that? Here's the answer. He gave glory to God. See verse 20? He, became, he was strengthened in his faith giving glory to God. Do you know when you get in a context of personal worship and giving glory to God, that is the context, context in which faith is born and developed. When you get before God in personal worship and giving Him glory, when you become more and more intimate with the Lord in your inner world, you are setting the atmosphere in which Hope is developed in which faith comes. You see, her, uh, faith, hope is that thermostat. It's the goal setter. Faith is, look, can I tell you something? God is waiting on you. God is waiting, you don't wait on him. God is waiting on you to get in that place of worship and praise and submission and intimacy with Him. In that place where hope rises. Because when that is just the right time, He's going to speak. And when He speaks, faith comes. And once faith comes and faith perseveres, faith plus patience equals manifestation faith plus patience leads to manifestation hope is the goal setter then the Lord is able to speak into the context of hope his word he does that through the written word he will do that through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit sometimes he just does that through an internal knowing he lives in the, the recesses of your spirit, man. Sometimes the Spirit of God speaks to you with just a knowing, an assurance, an affirmation that you just know. But the, the voice of God speaks in the context of hope. You say, well, Pastor, I am worn out hoping. I feel like that God said something. I've seen it in his word, but I don't, uh, I, I don't know what to do next. Let's look at Hebrews 6. We're not going to get through the message today. I'm going to close with this, Hebrews 6. In the context of this message, we've been talking about the experience of Abraham. I want you to see here, beginning in verse Verse 11, we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of to the full assurance of hope until the end that you do not become sluggish, lazy, 
but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So faith has a vital partner. It's called patience. It's called the willingness to wait and persevere until God's perfect timing. It means not to let go of the promises of God when it looks like it is never going to happen. For, verse 13, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. God swore by himself, saying, surely, blessing I will bless you. Not just blessing I will bless you. He said, listen to this, I swear, surely, blessing I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Faith plus patience leads to the obtaining the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater. You ever go to trial, go to court? Buzz, I guess you still, still swear, don't you? You swear with an oath, yes or no? Men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an oath of all dispute. Thus God, willing to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. The immutability, unchangeableness of his counsel confirmed his promise with an oath. Surely, blessing, surely I will multiply you. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. What were the two immutable things? His promise and his oath. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge. Listen to this now. We have fled to, for refuge, that is, into the presence of God. We have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. When it looks like it's never going to change, when it feels like it is over, when it feels like you can't go on, don't you go before the throne of God for refuge. Don't you intercede in prayer. Don't you ask your high priest to do something on your behalf. We have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. And this hope, what hope? The hope that you in intercession, the hope that you cried out to the high priest who is right there in the throne room of God. Everybody get that in your mind right now. Right now, in the throne room at the presence of God Almighty, the Father of the universe, the Father of all, right there in the very throne room of God sits a high priest seated at the right hand, interceding on your behalf. There's hope there. It's a holy place. Have you been there lately? It is open 24-7. It is accessible. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Notice this now. We're not done. Notice this. This hope, 
the hope you get by going before the Father. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul. What's your soul? It's that mind that goes nuts over circumstances. It's those emotions that respond to that mind that always tells you you're going to get a result you don't want and it's going to mess things up. That hope is an anchor for your mind, your will, your emotions, both sure and steadfast. And listen to this. This hope enters the presence behind the veil. Whose presence is that? God's very presence where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus. Having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, that is, king of righteousness, king of peace. Oh my. Jesus is your high priest. What was the job of the high priest? To offer a sacrifice for sin. Has he done that? And to bless, to issue and pronounce blessing. That's what the high priest did. Is he doing that? See, most Christians only see interceding for sin. Oh, he's pronouncing blessing as, all, as well. It's called grace. This, but notice what he says here. Your high priest is already behind that veil that the high priest could enter only once a year on earth. But your high priest has forever, oh my Jesus. Are you listening to me? Once a year the high priest took the blood of an innocent animal and took it and sprinkled it on the altar representing that God was covering sin. Until that time that God would not cover sin anymore, he would remit sin. He would pay for it in full and remove it from its. This high priest entered into that holy of holies. And you know what he did? The Bible says there in Hebrews that he took not the blood of sheep and goats. He took his own blood before the Father. And there is blood before the throne room of God today. The blood of Jesus. And it's got your name in it. And there's not a demon of hell that can cross the line of that blood that is believed and applied by your faith and your confession. It bears witness before the throne of God. But notice something else that bears witness before the throne of God. Let's look at that verse again or you'll miss it. This hope, verse 19, that we have that anchors our soul down here enters the presence behind the veil. Do you know that the hope that is given to you right now by the Holy Spirit, the hope that is in you right now goes all the way to the throne room of God. The hope that you have right now bears witness because of Jesus, bears witness before the throne of God. Don't give up your hope. It is bearing witness. And God will speak to that hope. His word. Faith comes by 
and hearing by the And when you add faith to hope, when faith becomes the assurance of things hoped for, manifestation is a matter of time. You're not in charge of that. Timing is of the Lord. Final results are not in your hands, but process is. Laying hold of your hope. Hope is developed through intimacy that you share with the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I'm just about to lose hope. Listen, go before the Lord. Just get before you and God in faith. Know that if you ask him for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you ask him for fish, he won't give you a serpent. How much more shall your Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? Ask the Holy Spirit to bear witness in you. And remember this, that right now, right this very minute, the Holy Spirit who lives in you, you don't even know how to pray as you should, but the Spirit himself makes utterance in you and through you with groanings too deep for words, too deep to understand. And he who knows the mind of the Spirit, that is your high priest, intercedes for you according to the will of God, and God your Father will then cause all things to work together for your good if, you're, if you love him and are called according to his purpose. Oh, my. Where's your hope? My hope is built. Own nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Would you stand with me today and let's sing that verse as we go today. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.